Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus' words in our gospel reading seem very simple, very elementary. Jesus simply says, follow me. But before we think those words are a little too simple, we kind of have to understand the context a little bit more. To us in our day, when we hear those words, it reminds us of social media, that you can be a follower of somebody on Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or Facebook, you name it. You can follow those people, and those people who get the most followers, they become influencers. Because what they say, what they tell others to do, the opinions that they share are then disseminated to many, many people. And whether they agree or disagree, they always will know what that particular person thinks on that given subject. That's our world. Jesus' world was not quite that way, obviously. When Jesus says those words, follow me, those are not words that are really unique or unusual to Jesus. In fact, a lot of different people in Jesus' day could have uttered those same words and people would have known what they meant. Most typically, those words, follow me, would have been uttered by a rabbi, a teacher, or a philosopher of some kind who would speak those words to potential students, to potential disciples. The rabbi was trying to get those disciples to follow him. And the job of those disciples was to learn the ways of that rabbi, to listen to their teachings, to watch what they say and do, and then emulate that rabbi. Because one day that rabbi would die. And who would carry on the traditions? Who would pass on the wisdom from that rabbi? Well, that was the job of those disciples. So, a disciple was somebody who carried on those traditions of their rabbi. And as it would happen, every rabbi carried on the traditions of their own rabbi. So over time, these disciples, who then would become rabbis themselves by telling others to follow them, they would be passing on so much wisdom, not just of their rabbi, but their rabbi's rabbi, and their rabbi's rabbi, and you kind of get the point. Jesus's call was a little bit different, though, because Jesus was a little bit different. So when he spoke those words to Simon and Andrew, to James and John, when Jesus said, follow me, the words themselves were not so unusual. What was so unusual was where Jesus would ask those disciples to follow him. Where was it that Jesus was ultimately taking those disciples? He would be taking them to the cross. That was the fulfillment of Jesus' mission and ministry. Now, to be sure, along the way, those disciples would see some pretty amazing things. They would see Jesus perform some mind-blowing miracles, that he would feed a crowd of 5,000 with just a few loaves of bread and fish. They would see Jesus raise the dead. 
They would see Jesus cleanse the lepers. They would see Jesus heal the paralyzed. They would hear Jesus' wisdom in some of his sermons. They would hear Jesus confront some of the best teachers of his day. They would also see Jesus be challenged by some of those same teachers, by some of the religious authorities of their day. But all of that was kind of ancillary. All of that was sort of at the edge of what it was that Jesus was doing. Jesus would ultimately reach his destination, though, when he went to the cross. And so for these disciples, as they hear Jesus' call, follow me, that would be understood as the call of a rabbi to disciples, that they would follow him. It would be a ask that they would emulate him, that they would imitate him. At least that's how it worked with a regular rabbi. But once again, Jesus was no regular rabbi, and what he was doing was so completely different. You can hear it from Jesus' own words. Jesus proclaimed to his disciples, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's not how an ordinary rabbi would preach. That's not the kind of thing that they would proclaim. But Jesus, Jesus could proclaim that the kingdom of God was at hand, that God's rule and mighty power was there among them, because Jesus was no ordinary rabbi. He was the Son of God. He was that king above all kings. Wherever Jesus was, there God's kingdom was at hand. Jesus ultimately was bringing to those disciples and to the whole world a new kind of kingdom, a kingdom of life. Because remember, all of those other disciples who would follow all of those other rabbis, they knew that at the end, their rabbis, their teachers would die. And it was up to them to pass on, to emulate what their rabbis taught them. And they knew that one day they too would die. And they would have to have new disciples to pass on what they taught. Jesus wasn't beginning that kind of teaching ministry. Jesus was bringing through himself an end to that chain, an end to that chain of death. Jesus was going to put an end to death altogether because there through the cross was life, eternal life, a new kind of life, not just for himself, but for the whole world. And so Jesus' own disciples weren't to imitate him. They were not to emulate him. They themselves were not to go to a cross and lay down their lives for the sins of the world. Rather, they were to go out and proclaim to others what Jesus had done. And so Jesus told those first disciples to repent to turn from all of the other ways of this world, to turn their allegiance away from all of the other teachers out there, away from all of the other authorities, even from their own desires, and to look to him and to believe the good news 
the good news that was there in Jesus himself. Because Jesus was going to completely upset the whole world because the kingdom of God was at hand. The problem with this world was a problem that I think everybody pretty much understood. It's something that we understand in our day as well. We see it all the time in its form, death. But here's the thing. Death is itself not the only problem. In fact, death is a sign of a much greater problem, a problem that might be hidden to our eyes. The truth of the matter is that death is sin made visible. The wages of sin is death. But as all of us know and understand death, we know that it is an uncomfortable part of life. We know that it is painful. We know the separation that it causes. We know the grief that it causes. But that's not just sin that's doing that. Or that's not just death that's doing that. I just gave the point away. It's sin itself. Because behind death is sin. See, death is not a normal part of life. Death is not part of God's plan for you and for me. Rather, death is a part of life because sin is a part of life. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin brings death. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. There's nothing we can do to get rid of death. Scientists can try. Doctors can try. You can try to get all of the the right amounts of exercise. You can try to eat the right foods. You can do so many different things. And yeah, you might live a few years longer than you would have lived had you not done those things. But eventually, death will come. It always comes. Because that is a part of our broken world. But Jesus comes into this cycle to disrupt the cycle, to break it completely. And he does that. He does that by undoing sin. If sin is behind death, the way to stop death is to undo the power of sin. And that's what the cross was all about. That Jesus, once and for all, would pay the price for all of our guilt, for all of our disobedience, for all of those times when we know the right thing to do, but we don't do it. That's what Jesus was trying to make sure those disciples knew, that they would follow him all the way to the cross so that they would see that that cycle of death, that cycle of sin has been broken. How? Because Jesus would bring forth the forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of sins that would be made possible by his death. And wherever there is forgiveness of sins, there is life. That eternal life which God gives to you and me. It all flows right through the cross, right through Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus rose again on the third day because death could hold him no longer. Why? Because sin had been defeated. Those disciples, there's no way they understood all of that. 
in those opening days. But they didn't need to. It didn't depend on them, did it? Jesus was going to do it all. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand because he was there and he would lead them and guide them. All they needed to do was repent. Repent and believe the good news. To see what Jesus had done and to give thanks and rejoice. And so they did. So those disciples would follow Jesus to the end of his life. And even after his death, they didn't get it. But Jesus comes to them, comes to them on the third day. Jesus comes to them raised from the dead, and he assures them that everything has been accomplished. He had done it all. And he gives them that gift of life. He gives them the forgiveness of sins. And he tells them, it's now your jobs to go forth and tell others about this good news, this message of life, that they too could be a part of God's kingdom, not the kingdom of death of this world, not the kingdom of sin, but the kingdom of life, everlasting life brought through the cross, brought only through Jesus. This time of the year, Churches are often urged to recognize the sanctity of life. Many churches have what they call Life Sunday. And we've done that in the past. And in a sense, this Sunday is kind of Life Sunday. But it's always hard to preach on that subject because it's always hard to address the fullness of what that means that it means that life is holy. Holy because it comes from God himself. It is sacred, a gift from God. And that's all life. Very often, the one thing that we talk most about is about life in the womb and the problems of abortion in our world. And to be fair, those are problems. This is contrary to God's word. But the sanctity of human life is about life in all forms, from the womb all the way to the tomb. It has to do with how we treat one another. And that's at all stages of life. That means people from all walks of life. So it speaks to us in our world today, not just on the issue of abortion, but also on the, the issue of families, on mothers and fathers, and on husbands and wives, and how we support one another in all of those different relationships. It talks to how we treat one another when we are not very like one another. This country is plagued by some of the problems of inequality that sometimes have to do with male and female, that sometimes have to do with rich and poor, that sometimes have to do with the color of our skin, or the language we speak, or the place we live, or the jobs that we have. All of these things undermine that value that we are all creatures 
of our Heavenly Father. And when we talk about one particular issue, it means that we don't talk about other issues. And so what often happens is that we start to think, we're doing pretty good. We're doing a good job of following Jesus because we don't have abortions. We don't do this really bad thing. And we look down on others who have. We look down on others who commend it. The problem with all of this is that it just puffs us up. The problem with all of this is those who maybe have done some of these things, they feel like they have no place in God's kingdom. The thing missing here is the gospel. Remember Jesus' call of discipleship when he said, repent and believe the good news. See, we all struggle in various different parts of that spectrum from womb to tomb. There are different people in our world that we don't value, that we don't love, that we don't defend. This is an issue that should cause all of us to repent. But Jesus says, that's not where it ends. Where does it end? It ends in the gospel. It ends in faith in Jesus. Jesus calls all of us to follow him. And when we do so, we realize that we are a lot more alike than we think we are. Because we're all sinners. We're all people who are stuck in that cycle of life and death. We cannot celebrate death. We cannot condone it. We must always be working to value and defend human life, whether that's in the unborn, whether that's in people with disabilities, whether that's in the elderly, whether that's in people we don't like, whether that's in people who are different from us, wherever it is, we must be about that business. But that doesn't make us better or worse than those that don't do these things. <laughs> we are all sinners. What we want to be about is what Jesus was inviting those first disciples to do, to call the world to see the cycle of death, the cycle of sin that we are all trapped in has been broken. There is forgiveness and there is life in Jesus. In no one else is that found not in any other teachers, not in any other philosophers, not in any other people of high position or power. It's found in Jesus alone because of his death on the cross, because of his resurrection on the third day. And Jesus called those first disciples to follow him so that they would receive that. The call hasn't changed. Jesus calls all of us to continue to follow him, to receive that life 
and forgiveness that's in him alone, and then to go out, to go out and share that good news. Repent and believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus. For in him, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of forgiveness. The kingdom of life everlasting. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.